to the Cinema Show, where we bring you movie news, reviews, and insights right here on our podcast. I'm Dylan Martin. Here with me is Jackson. Hey guys. Uh, so, have any of y'all seen this movie called like Ten Cloverfield Lane? This little indie movie from 2016. Uh, little fun fact: it's co-written by Damien Chazelle. Huh? Yeah. How about that? Wow. Thank you for that little tidbit of trivia. <laughs> yeah, I and... watched uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane last night. It's pr- uh, pretty, uh, pretty good. Oh, nice. I need to catch that one. And our lovely Lori. Hi, how are y'all doing? Good. We have a laundry list of movies to talk ah, about. Ah. We are going to go on a, our own little odyssey here. We're going to a private beach. We are going to get into the truffle business. <laughs> We're going to go on an adventure out um, in the Amazon. Uh, yeah. We're going to be on a boat. We'll be on the boat. And... We'll also try to find a knight to kill us. Uh, <laughs> but first, really quick, before we get into all these movies here, can can we just talk about the Scarlett Johansson controversy going on or yes. the, uh, the lawsuit? So very exciting news. I am very happy about this piece <laughs> of news. So Scarlett Johansson is suing the big mouse, the big house mouse, Disney for Black Widow. So apparently it was a breach of contract where she had an X amount of percentage of the box office and Disney kind of, they, she, they kind of sweep the leg on her by putting it out on Disney Plus. So that apparently is a breach of contract. And uh, I don't have exact quotes here on it, but I know Disney responded. And I don't know for anyone who who has read the response from Disney. What a sly slime ball of Disney, a response. They had the goal to put in that she was undermining the pandemic on it. I don't know if, did any of you read that? It was just crazy that they would do that. And of course, Johansson's team responded so well to that, to Disney's response. But anyways, uh, uh, for those listening, uh, go read up all that on your own. I just want to talk about it really quick. I say, girl, get get your coin. Like mm-hmm. Disney could afford a lawsuit or two at this point, and I'm so happy she's doing it. And the fact that they're giving her so much trouble and the way they're treating her, and what a class act from Scarlett Johansson. I bet you anything she had this lawsuit ready way before Black Widow came out. She knew what was going to happen, and she was a team player just promoting the movie, just playing ball, and she was just waiting for her shot, and she took it. And I'm I'm so happy for Scarlett Johansson. I say, get it, girl. Yeah, amen. And then there's news coming out that Emma Stone is weighing her options uh, regarding Cruella, and yep. that's going to be interesting to see going forward. Uh, the thing I'm worried, or not worried about, but thinking about, uh, after seeing Jungle Cruise. Remember the news that came out a couple months ago that ScarJo was directing a Tower of Terror movie? Yep. I wonder what's going to happen with that now. Is something going to happen behind the scenes of Fallen Out? Is ScarJo going to drop out, or is Disney going to drop her? I mean, we'll have to wait and see if there's any bad blood. Hopefully there's not, but uh, considering how money-hungry Disney is nowadays, it would not surprise me if something yep. were to happen with that project. Uh, yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. I think uh, the studios have gotten, uh, Disney has gotten away with a lot 
because of the pandemic. And they have been relying on the fact that the actors are not going to push back because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, hey, times are tough all over. Uh, and uh, I think in order to come out and sue and so that they're saying, oh, oh, so you wanted people to go out to the theaters? You wanted people to go to super spreader events <laughs> and to come out to the theaters? And, you know, when we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, this is an unforeseen thing, the unforeseen circumstances that happen. Uh, yeah, anybody who's ever worked for a company knows that whenever you're uh, reevaluating your collective bargaining agreements and, you know, unionizing with your CBA, that they will tell some of the senior people, hey, you know, the administrative assistants, you know, if you, you know, if we give them a, you know, a 50 cent raise each, we're going to have to take this, you know, from all of y'all, but, you know, it's better for the entire team. And if you fight against it, you look bad to the people who are taking care of you type thing. So it's something that's been around for a long time. And they were kind of just waiting for somebody to break the mold. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, there is, I think a lot of the smart actors are going to work with the studios and kind of do things behind the scenes, maybe not take it down so publicly publicly uh, and go with a whole lawsuit route. But uh, I think, you know, she's just trying to make a statement and I think she's leading the way, but it's going to be interesting to see who actually pushes against it and who doesn't, because there are going to be actors at the same time, you know, just the, as there as there always has been for years uh, when it comes to good movies and fighting against a studio, uh, a good actor when it comes to, you know, things will often sacrifice uh, their own salary to make concessions for something else. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how it pans out. Really quick, I want to, I want to read the statement that Johansson's team put out in response to what Walt Disney had said. And Walt uh, Disney it, himself? Walt Disney. The, the frozen head the in the basement's talking now, I guess. <laughs> From beyond the grave. <laughs> Money will make you do anything. That's what the second Jungle Cruise should be about, finding Walt Disney's frozen hair. Or maybe that should be National Treasure 3. I'm Ooh. getting ahead of myself. Go ahead and read this. <laughs> so, and here's the quote, and it's from the co-chairman of Creative Artists Agency, which uh, Johansson is a part of. Uh, quote, I want to address the Walt Disney Company statement that was issued in response to the lawsuit filed against them yesterday by our client, Scarlett Johansson. They have shamelessly and falsely accused Ms. Johansson of being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic in an attempt to make her appear to be someone they and I know she isn't. Scarlett has been Disney's partner on nine movies, which ha have earned Disney and its shareholders billions. The company included her salary in their press statement in an attempt to weaponize her success as an artist and businesswoman, and if that were something she should be ashamed of. Scarlett is extremely proud of her work and all of the actors, writers, directors, producers, and the Marvel creative team have been a part of for well over a decade. The suit was filed as a result of Disney's decision to knowingly violate Scarlett's contract. They have very deliberately moved the revenue stream and profits to the Disney Plus side of the company, leaving artistic and financial partners out of their a new equation. That's it, pure and simple. Disney's direct attack on her character and all else they implied is beneath the company that many of us in the creative community have worked with successfully for decades. Damn. I think that's a, I mean, that's 
Nell and Coppin. I mean, I feel like, especially this lawsuit coming up, I feel like this is the last time we're going to see Disney deal with actors in this way. Because remember, Robert Down Jr. had a seven-picture deal with Disney. And it started, I believe, with Avengers. And he made a lot of money, more than Disney wanted to pay him. Because in his contract, like Scarlett Johansson, had a percentage of the box office. And when most of the movies he was in generated more than a billion dollars, I mean, just imagine the payday he got. So uh, now I'm I'm just thinking of how they're going to operate businesses now moving forward with these franchises. It's, I don't know, it's crazy. I mean, we're going to talk about The Rock pretty soon, but I feel like he's the only actor right now who is capable of going about these contracts you would want to sign the rock on to x amount of movies other actors now i don't see disney and other companies doing that yeah they're gonna treat this as kind of like uh going forward it's we're gonna see them become less actor friendly i guess they're just gonna treat them more as their product things as as a means to an end you know instead of Mm -hmm. like people and if it weren't for the actors they wouldn't be making the billions of dollars they are you know yeah. so i mean who's not going to turn down who's who's going to turn down disney money right at the end of the day someone's going to fill that role but yeah. it, there's only one star <laughs> there's only one star and that's the lion louis the lion <laughs> and amazon owns mm-hmm. them <laughs> yeah so and I am going to say it. I'm going to say it as a parent who takes kids out to the movie theaters and where we're now with uh, them offering the feature of online streaming some of these uh, bigger movies, paying the $30 as opposed to the $100 that we usually spend taking an entire family to the movie theater, especially these kid-friendly ones. Uh, it has been a little bit of a, a saver. Uh, when it's come to families. And I will tell you, uh, that was my first thought when I heard she was suing. And you have the people who are like, good for her. And then you have us who are sitting there and you're like, oh, yeah, cry me a river. You know, <laughs> these times are tough all over with the unemployment rate we have right now and parents depending on stimulus checks, you know, because everybody's out of work because we're in the middle of a pandemic and things are going back and forth. Uh, we, we like having those options to be able to watch the movie at home. Convenience, I say, well, has always been the downfall of this country. People are always going to pick convenience over anything. If it's more convenient for them, they're going to fall into that. And I don't yeah. blame anybody at all. I mean, the whole streaming service, it's the future. That's where we're headed. It's where we're at now. I think the pandemic has nothing to do with the business that was in that contract between her and Disney. At the end of the day, Disney should have done something else to come to Scarlett Johansson and say, hey, we're, we're in this situation, obviously. And in a way they did. I heard that they approached Scarlett Johansson with the whole Disney Plus uh, revenue. Like, oh, we'll give you an X amount of what we make on Disney Plus. But again, I always say this. Streaming services do not have to disclose anything they make behind that paywall. So they can say, oh, yeah, we made this amount, amount of money and we owe you this percentage. But really, I'm yeah. sure they made a whole lot more than that. So I'm all for Scarlett knowing her worth and just not 
bending a knee to I think that's the what it is at, at the end of Disney. the day. It's uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson knowing her worth, like you said, and uh, kind of being a sacrificial lamb in this scenario. Like she, this very well might burn the bridge between her and Disney, and she could never be in a Disney or Fox film for the rest of her career because of this. Um, but. I and th- I think she'll be just fine. That I too. Think she'll do f- just um, but fine. I think she's doing this for the actors that come after her. Because if they're doing it to her, what are they going to do to the smaller actors? You know? So it's, I think she's kind of like when Taylor Swift made a big brouhaha about Apple Music whenever it first started, how they weren't paying artists mm. enough. And then Apple changed their ways because Taylor Swift brought attention to the situation. I think that's what's happening here. Or how Lars from Metallica brought down Napster. But to this day, people still talk crap about Lars because people loved Napster. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying about this situation, too. That's what I'm saying about, you know, Taylor Swift. Mind you, they all had their arguments. Their arguments are legitimate. But I will tell you, it reminds me, there's a movie with um, John Travolta where he, it's an exaggerated version, uh, Primary Colors. It's about Bill Clinton, but it's not. They changed the name, but the character is obviously supposed to be Bill Clinton. And this movie came out in the 90s. And in it, he has a campaign manager played by Kathy Bates. And she's telling them a story about a a governor back in the old days, back in the 40s or 50s. And he was way ahead in the numbers. He had already won the election before. And there was this new candidate coming in and this new candidate coming in, you know, he decided his campaign manager was the first one who ever spread a rumor about his opponent. And the rumor was, is that he had sex with animals. And he's there like, this is ridiculous. And then he had actually, he had a couple of papers actually, you know, print this thing up. Hey, we heard a rumor that this politician that is in office right now has sex with animals. So that politician had to go, he had about four or five like speaking appearances coming up. And in each one, he had to start off talking and having to deny the fact that he slept with animals. Okay. Mind you, it wasn't true. There was no validity in the story at all that they had put out there. But the fact that he had to take half of his speech time defending a rumor made made sure that that was half the time he couldn't be talking about what he was going to do for the people. And he ultimately ended up losing the election. Now, this is something that campaign managers do for politicians. It's the same thing that, uh, you know, their human resources is doing for Disney right now. The fact that they put a news story out there and put insensitive during a time of COVID, during a time of pandemic, that's what's resonating with the people right now. Not yeah. the point that she's trying to make. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that as soon as that story hit, it doesn't matter with what they recanted about. What all everybody's talking about right now is like is that Sarah Johansson isn't sensitive to the needs of the people during a pandemic, just like people still talk about how Lars wasn't really metal because he brought down Napster. Yeah, I haven't really been seeing that type of conversation happening. I, I've seen a lot more people angry about what Disney said in their statement. I, I think there's a lot of people in support of Scarlett Johansson. Uh, I, I think the narrative's changed since you know the whole Napster thing. I think a lot of people are starting to open their eyes and uh, really siding with the artists as they should, you know. Instead of the company that owns 50% of the box office. But you know what? Let's stop talking about business, okay? <laughs> That's boring. Can we all just go on a vacation? Can, can we all like just pack our bags and go to an exclusive little island where we can just lay out in the sun. Yeah. Have a yeah, couple just... uh, lemonades, some cocktails. That sounds nice. Where are we going? Uh, you know what? Let's go visit M. Night Shyamalan. Uh... <laughs> we'll, 
Uh, Why not? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Nothing's going to go wrong, right? What's that rascal up to? <laughs> Let's talk about Old. And this movie is a thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discovered that the secluded beach where they are all relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. <laughs> wow. This movie is based off the French graphic novel Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters. And we have a, a nice cast here. We have Alex Wolfe. Uh, you know, Hereditary, and another movie we're going to talk about later. We have uh, Thomason McKenzie. Those should recognize her from Jojo Rabbit. And we have a few others here, but those two are like our main stars here. But Jackson, Laurie, what did you all think of Old? Uh, So I I went into it... uh, I mean, it, it's all laid out in the trailer. I'd seen the trailer so many times before, the movies I'd been seeing. And I'm like, you know what? It's the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. They're all laying it out in the trailer. There's always something more to these movies. So I'm going to watch this. Why not? And I went in not really having, like, the best expectations. I was just went in like, you know what? I'm going to go see this. Why not? And I came out absolutely despising this movie. <laughs> I hated it. I didn't hate every second of it. It started out fine. And uh, as soon as we got to the beach and, like, by the time 20 minutes had passed, you know, and yeah. you, you can't really talk about this movie without spoilers. Um, so I'm just going to leave it at that, that I, I hated it. I looked away okay. three times because I just didn't want to see what was happening on screen. Like, yeah. it, it was gratuitous. Um, the twist because there's obviously there's going to be a twist it's a Shyamalan movie uh that's already a spoiler going into it but the twist doesn't really add anything more to what was already happening on the beach other than it explains what was the the reason for the whole premise I couldn't care less about any of the characters there's no redeeming qualities about any of them like the, the you don't get enough time with the characters to like them and the characters that you are supposed like it, I-, I could go on, but yeah, yeah. Lori, I know you're a fan of M Night Shyamalan, so what I did am. you think of? You know what? I will say there's a lot more Shyamalan than twist in this movie for once. Yeah, there really is. I think that's what I was missing, and I think that's what kind of the people are going to miss going into this. Yeah. I had good, I had high expectations. Because when he hits, he really hits for me. But when he misses, he really misses and is this, for me. Is this as a well. hit or a miss for you? Uh, if this is a miss. It would definitely be categorized as a miss, but not the biggest I've ever seen come out from him. Okay. Uh, but it, it also didn't have its signature twist, you know, that I think we kind of are always expecting from him. I mean, of course, it's like, a, oh, but it's not like, what? Yeah, it was, more, exactly. it was more of a revelation than a twist. Yeah, it's like, oh. Yeah, I, I was expecting okay. the reveal. Yeah, it's a reveal more than a twist. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if any of you have done, like, any reading or research on the graphic novel, but the graphic novel, I, I did a couple of readings on it. I, did, I skimmed it here and there, and I think the ending is a lot better than what we got here. This movie feels like a very okay this movie feels like a a foreign film 
where the ending had to be changed for American audiences <laughs> without giving anything away because they could have ended it in a, on a certain scene and they chose to like, oh, wait, audiences aren't going to get it or they're going to leave upset at this. So that way it makes sense for American audiences or people that really aren't into these type of movies. And I was really surprised that M. Night Shyamalan would do that for his movies. It's really weird to see a director like him do that in the ending because usually it's a twist and it's something, oh, everyone gets all excited. But in this one, it feels like a lot of explaining and a lot of uh, tying the bow at the end, a real nice bow. And I was really surprised by a director like M. Night Shyamalan to do that. I'm not too familiar with most of his work. I've only seen Split and The Village. I think that's all I've seen from him. But I know the whole thing about The Sixth Sense, so that's why I haven't seen that one yet. I've seen bits and pieces of signs growing up. Um, I've heard about the, The Happening. Is that the one with Mark Wahlberg? Yes, which I am I've a heard fan about of that one. The Happening. I actually like The Happening. It's 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 a weird way how I like the movie. I don't like it unironically, and I don't like it because it's a good movie. I'm in between. It's a weird... Okay. <laughs> I have a weird relationship with The Happening. I've seen the, the Happening at least five or six times. Wow. Weird. And it's because it was always on, I think, either Cinemax or HBO when I had basic cable and I would watch it every time it was on. I don't know. It was, I was hypnotized. If any of you watch it, Jackson too, uh, let me know what you think. Cause... It's on my list, on my yeah. ever-expanding watch list. But yeah, but, <laughs> but I guess we can uh, get into spoilers now. Uh, let, let's lot. rate it real quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So how we do it around here at the Cinema Show is we rate our movies by the value of its ticket price. So go to the box office. You get the choice of paying 1 to $10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best movie you ever saw. Jackson, how much would you pay to see old uh you could not pay me enough to watch this movie again (laughs) i am very happy uh living my life having never seeing this movie again uh i did not enjoy my time with it i thought all of the characters except for jaron and his wife were awful um jaron and his wife veronica i believe are the best characters they're the smartest characters and they die in the most oh shit we're not spoilers yet. Uh, uh, if I had to pay to watch this again, it would be three dollars, no more than that. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. um, I I can't stand this movie. <laughs> Lori. Ah, big big pharmaceutical. Oh, <laughs> you got us again. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole aging rapidly thing. Can I just say is I found that the most terrifying thing ever. Uh, as a woman rapidly approaching my golden years. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I would pay five. I don't want to get into spoilers yet, but yeah, I would pay five. Yeah, I probably, I'd go on the same as Jackson at three. I was just kind of bored by the movie. They play into some aspects like body horror, uh, but they only do it once and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, there's some elements I do like from it, but are not enough to uh, give this movie a, a high praise. Uh, the dialogue was really weird. The writing uh, is the absolute worst part of this movie. Yeah, everyone just explains what they do, and uh, they keep repeating themselves as to what's going on constantly. 
Butler because I get the trailer has to do that in a type of movie like this. Like, oh, every 30 minutes uh, we age uh, 10 years. Like, okay, I get it. It's for the trailer. But the movie, it's just that's the movie, <laughs> that yeah. type of dialogue. And it was irritating. Uh, but it's M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, like Wait. Lori said, it's a hit or miss. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I I would not recommend to watch it. Uh, I'm sorry, M. Night Shyamalan, but I will be there to watch your next. So always looking forward to the next M. Night Shyamalan movie. Okay, spoilers. Yes. Where do we start? Um, the twist? Yeah, Big Farm. I mean, that, that was... Big Pharmacy. Because, okay, in the... Guinea pigs. In the graphic novel, it was just that the beach was like this... Mist, has this magical power to just age you. And that's it. That's all it was. And actually, the ending of the graphic novel... The baby that was born in on the beach actually grows up. It doesn't die. It actually grows up and is the last survivor of the beach. And it ends with that baby who is now like in their 20s or 30s making a sandcastle and just waiting to die. And that's how it ends. And Dang. I thought that was so great because it's it deals with that whole like you can't escape death. That's the whole driving point <laughs> of the graphic novel and and I don't want to get into like existential stuff but I just wished the movie would have committed like that as the graphic novel I wish it had a real conversation about death and I kind of like what they did with the model the whole like her putting on makeup and just trying to be young and feel young and she's the one that gets like the most gruesome death but her aging makeup was that her mascara just smeared yeah like, we didn't see any like white hair. She had hair. some wrinkles, but like uh the the makeup was bad in this movie. I uh, I think yeah. they could have played it way more, especially with the parents, them like finally slowly aging and dying. Like by the time they got there, I didn't even get that sense of like, oh, they're really old now. I get why they're dying, but they look they have a couple wrinkles and that's it. Yeah, they look fine. Yeah, they look fine. Yeah, the the dialogue is the worst part in this movie. I, I, the thing that really tipped me over the edge is when we were so far into the movie and she cuts the guy with dementia with the rusty knife and she oh, says yeah. to, to the doctor, it's rust. It's like poison to your bloodstream. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are we it. doing? I know. Like, <laughs> come on. The fact that we're still explaining this stuff this far into the movie and there were so many more instances before that. The, when they saw that their kids were older and didn't look like how they did when they got to the resort, they should have immediately known, oh shit, we're getting older. But they spend so much time like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> and the... I... Uh, they're, they're so dumb. <laughs> I, they made the worst decisions. Why... Why did they keep splintering off? Why they could have just stayed to one group and made sure nothing horrible happened to one another, you know? But mm-hmm. instead, things need to happen for the plot, so they keep splintering off and then coming back together, splintering off, coming back together, and so the other thing, dementia like rots your brain, right? It deteriorates your brain cells. The doctor guy should have died long ago, especially since it's it's aging him a lot faster, and the brain deterioration would have gone a lot quicker, too. He should have died sooner than he did, instead of to the rusty knife. And the fact that we had to see Veronica 
have a seizure, like, full close-up. I didn't need to see that. What we saw at the resort <laughs> earlier in the movie, that was fine because she's just having a seizure and that's, people are handling the situation. That's fine. But they're playing it up like it's this super horrible, dramatic thing. And it's just super distasteful. And then whenever the, the woman with the makeup, uh, the young hot model mom, when she dies, she's chasing after uh, Alex Wolf and Thomason McKenzie. But she doesn't want them to look at her, so why would she be chasing them? It. I, I, I couldn't I, tell you. I hate I, this I, movie. I hate this movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, the movie that Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson are in is called The Missouri Breaks. That's what the uh, doctor kept uh, questioning. He was like, does anybody remember... These two actors. Now let's They're get in back a to movie together. There, there's these two actors. It's Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and you know what? It kept bugging me too. I'm like, damn it! After this movie's over, I'm going to Google that. Uh, so I I like that part. It was funny. The, the only reason it's in the movie, it it doesn't like. It's not like a, a statement. Like if it were a movie about time or aging or death or something, that would have been cooler. Yeah. You know, but instead, it's yeah. just a a a thing. And the only reason it's in the movie is because M. Night Shyamalan said that someone he knew who had dementia kept saying that. Like, just, that's all they would, like, talk about. Oh, wow. Um, so, he just put that in the movie. Yeah. Also, no I do want to say, like, Wolf. Like, he, <laughs> that guy can't catch a break. Last time I saw him crying this hard was Hereditary. I'm like, man. <laughs> exactly! Can this guy just, like, not cry hysterically in a movie. Can he have a normal family life? (laughs) Let him have a good family. Yeah, one day. I love you, Dad. I have to say, that's the one part of the movie that did get me, though. The kids, like, when they were grown and they were scared, uh, that actually got me in my tummy. Because, you know, being a mom and stuff, I was just like, oh. (laughs) You know, and then I look at, like, Layla and Aiden, and they're taller than me now, (laughs) and if that had happened that quick. I mean, I already feel like it happened quick. I'm already, like, facing my own mortality every inch they grow. Yeah. (laughs) Which, by the way, if the whole point of the island is to experiment on them with these medicines, right, why do they need the kids there? That just complicates the thing so much more. And it would, and it makes all the adults, like, paranoid and scared instead of it just... Like, if you did not have the kids there, they wouldn't figure out what was happening until it was way too late. So, why would you have kids there in the first place? But they cured seizures. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, is there anything else you want to talk about with this movie? Because, I mean, I thought there would be a lot more to talk about, but it's surprisingly just empty, this movie. It is. Yeah, like, no theme at all, just big farm, <laughs> bad. Well, big even farm. Th- it's not about that. It's just an explanation for something. And it's the, the what the characters go through isn't about that. And w- even with the twist, it, it doesn't become like, oh, big farm is evil. It's just that's some audience members take away from it. That's not what the movie itself is trying to say. It's not really saying much of anything. And yeah. Like if it were saying something, there would be something to take away from it. But the characters are so disjointed from the twist that it it just doesn't feel cohesive at all. Yeah. And I come away with nothing. 
And the fact that the second message that Alex Wolf's character and the, the kid that they share, he's like, ice cream eating contest in 30? Oh, yeah. And then the next message is, my uncle doesn't like the coral. How <laughs> contrived. <laughs> I hate this movie so much. And why wouldn't they just seal the coral? Why wouldn't they just pour a bunch of cement in there so people can't escape through the coral? <laughs> this movie... I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> well, maybe Alex Wolf will have a better life with his family in the next movie we're about to talk about. And that is Pig. Living alone in the Oregon wilderness, a truffle hunter returns to Portland to find the person who stole his beloved pig. This comes from uh, making his feature debut, Michael Cernowski. And actually written by Saranovsky as well as with Vanessa Block. So that's pretty cool for a first-time debut. Working with Nicolas Cage as Rob and Alex Wolf as Amir. And Adam Arkin as Darius, who I believe is the father of Alex Wolf's character here. So I'm just... <laughs> I know this is, we're going to be split on this movie here because I... Loved this movie. This is my favorite movie of the year. I can't it's get enough of it. It's one of my favorites. Oh my goodness. I did not... Okay, well, expectations, first of all. Uh, people kept saying it was like John Wick, but with a pig. And I saw nothing but the poster of this movie. So I went in pretty much blind. And what I got, I did not expect at all. I know everyone's kind of expecting Nicolas Cage to be his crazy self in this type of movie. And uh, no, he. This movie just kind of uh, hit me sideways in a way I didn't expect, and I'm I'm very happy for Nicolas Cage in this kind of movie. I, I think it showcases what he can do. He's a dramatic actor. He's not this loony guy that people like to make a meme out of. He he's an actual actor, yeah, and I'm I'm just so happy for him. But Jackson, uh, you know what? Uh, I want to get some contrast in here. Lori, you have a different opinion about this movie. So stupid. <laughs> okay. The, okay, the so pre- okay, the premise. Stupid. The premise is. The premise is so no, stupid. I'll give you that. I'll give you No, no, it is. I think so. Like It's so stupid. On paper. And yes, you're right. Yes, but there's some great moments and some great acting from from Nicolas Cage. But then you look at the entire story, and I'm just sorry, I can't, I can't stop cracking jokes through it. I can't like those little intense moments. And I'm sorry, have either one of you watched the trailer? No, no. I watched the trailer before I watched the movie. Watch the trailer. That's what they try to push off that it's going to be John Wick. It's not. It's the opposite of John Wick. Yeah, it's like an anti-John Wick. It's guy who, like, goes... It's an anti-John yeah. Wick. Exactly. Do you know what the trailer is? It's this ominous music. Boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden... Boom, 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 boom. But see, that's not the movie's fault. Where's no, it's not. Pig? That's, that's why not I, the movie's fault at all. That's why I don't watch trailers it's anymore. It's not the movie's fault. It's not the movie's fault. But, oh, my gosh, the way that they spun it. And then because of that, I went in and it was joke after joke, like, because it's just like, okay, it's just the premise. It's the premise. Do I think, you know, Nicolas Cage is a great actor? Yes. Do I think he had some moments? Absolutely. I get it. It's 
loss, denial, acceptance, all this stuff. But then they, and then to name it pig, you know, and then when he finally, I don't want to get into spoilers yet, but I don't know. I don't know. It was just a little bit hard for me. So I knew nothing about this. Beautiful scenery. Beautiful, beautiful scenery. I will give it that. But the story is so stupid. So, uh, I had seen just this, the poster drop on Twitter one day, and they said, Pig, the date, trailer tomorrow. And I was like, okay, that's all I need to see. Nicolas Cage is in a movie about a pig that gets stolen. That's great. That's all I need to know. (laughs) I didn't watch the trailer. I was like, okay, that's it. And I saw people talking about the trailer, and I was expecting, like, this Mandy situation. And I hadn't seen Mandy yet. It's been on my watch list. So the night before, I go in to watch Pig. I watch Mandy. And what a ride that is. That's a whole conversation for another day. But I thought we were going to get that. Um, and we didn't. And what we got was this very reserved, very quiet movie. The, the first five minutes are just Nicolas Cage and his little pig searching <laughs> for truffles. And it's so quiet. It's so serene. He bakes her a little tart with truffles. And as, well, I'm not going to spoil that. It, <laughs> Anyone listening right now and you're in the least bit curious about what the hell we're talking about, stop listening. Go watch this movie right now. Don't We've even already watch said the too much. No, yeah, yeah don't, don't even watch the trailer. trailer. We've already said too much. Go in blind. It, this movie is it, it's perfect. I love this movie. The, the performances are great. The premise is, okay, is the John Wick premise stupid then by result, by, or by comparison? Yes! <laughs> John Wick going on a murdering spree. But that's, that's to me. To me. That pig means everything to him. Yes, I know. It's a conversation for spoilers. Get yourself another pig. It's a conversation for spoilers. So I I think we should just leave it there. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, I I will say also. I want to do a mock. I want to do a mock of this movie. Of course you do. Like, I want to do like a comedy of this movie. Because I can you know, it's like everybody's like, watch my Dr. Piss teacher. Why are the Academy Awards so beautiful? I'm like, what the hell is this shit? Still haven't watched that one. Alex Wolf, I, I oh. thought his relationship and the whole exploration of character. his family was great as well. I, I loved Alex Wolf. I like that yeah. whole element. And especially coming off of old, I was like, thank you. You could just let this guy just act without being traumatized <laughs> throughout the entire movie. You just let him breathe and actually show what he can do. And it made me appreciate Alex Wolf, and just to I'm just excited to see where he goes uh, with this career. I uh, actually like, seen Pig before Old, so I saw oh, wow. Pig and I was like, "Wow, what a great movie!" And I didn't even know Alex Wolf was in it. He showed up in his yellow Lamborghini. I'm like, "He's in this movie." Yeah. And uh, and then I was like, "Man, I wonder how old's gonna be." And then that turned into the shit show that it was. But yeah. Uh, unintentionally saw two Alex Wolf movies in one day. Um, but yeah, he he's great. I loved his character. The minute he showed up, I was like, the classical music <laughs> and the instructions. The guy saying like, "Oh, this is uh, this is uh, why this you should like classical music." <laughs> I I just loved his whole character of trying to uh, live up to his dad's reputation and he's trying, trying to he, he's and just trying to be hard. in that business. I loved it. Uh, just everything about it and how they explore it, especially towards the end. And again, uh, Nicolas Cage's whole character arc. And of course, 
the the pig is a symbol for something else, which we'll talk about in spoilers. I get yeah, it. I know. And I, I thought it was just a beautiful story about grief and acceptance, and and we'll talk about it later. But the music was great. I, I love mm-hmm. the score in this. The music, um, again, I think Lori said it. Uh, the way it was shot was beautiful. Everything was. Yes, the way it was shot. Especially out beautiful. there in the forest was just great. Oh, yeah, yeah. everything was beautiful. The writing uh, was great. The directing was solid. You, I, I think this is a case of um, Nicolas Cage elevating the writing and the writing elevating I'm out in a Nicolas cabin Cage. And I have a porcupine. They couldn't have worked. It, this movie works because they both came together. If mm-hmm. they, if the, if this had been a different script or a different actor, it would have been a completely different movie. But there, it's a match made in heaven, and th- this movie's perfect. Favorite movie of the year. Yeah, I, I was blown away. I maybe because I didn't see the trailers and I didn't know nothing about it aside from the premise. Uh, <laughs> but I was, yeah, I was just surprised, and I got to see it in a theater. I actually made it out all the way to uh, like thirty minutes out to an AMC because Cinemark decided to push it out of its uh, release window when Jungle Cruise came out. So, thanks, Jungle Cruise. Yeah, thanks. Or maybe a lot. it was the Green Knight, but we shouldn't blame Indies for that. No, yeah, we shouldn't. Don't pit indies against indies. Pit indies against the House of Mouse. Yes. All right. Well, anything else before we get into spoilers? No, I think we're ready for spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's rate it. I would happily pay ten dollars to see this again. I'd pay fifteen. I'd pay twenty. I'd pay thirty. I <laughs> love this movie. <laughs> All right, Lori. I'd pay six. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't go a full ten. Uh. Though I was surprised about it, uh, by it, I would probably go like $9.5 in there. I can't really find anything wrong with the movie, uh, maybe aside from the premise, but that's just because of John Wick, you know? And it kind of, a man with a pet. I think when we get to spoilers, like, there's a lot of things that, like, I felt like didn't fit. And, like, okay, where did this go? I had problems with the movie. Okay, yeah. And we'll get, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, so, spoilers yeah. for Pig. I just love the whole Fight Club, but <laughs> with the restaurants. I hated with that. With the restaurants, I loved I it. I thought that was so stupid. I feel like this could be made into such a comedy. It was like an anti. I feel John like Wick. they took something. They exactly they put all these things that were like oh serious. I was like no, I could make the Wayne's brothers could make this a whole different movie. You don't know if there's a town and or then a city. And it didn't even take us anywhere. The food world is an underground. You don't, don't know, know that. that. You don't know that. Oh, this is Portland we're talking about. So we're in stupid. Kingsville. Hey, I know a couple of chefs that would love to throw down uh, from another restaurant. Let me tell you. That's how they blow off steam? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they do. Hey. So stupid. It's <laughs> it's the truffle game. <laughs> Hey, we don't know what goes on in the top elite restaurants, okay? We don't we're not there. We don't know. Speaking of Do you know who he is? My, my favorite Well, like the, because that comes back. He was Nobody is like that over a chef. Nobody To the restaurant is, business. Yes, care. he is. He's the chef. All of these chefs I have owe their careers to this guy. Chef. They say that in the movie. The, the my favorite scene in the movie is whenever he goes to Eurydice, which I love that they this fancy schmancy restaurant is mispronouncing that Greek character. It's Eurydice or Eurydice. 
it's they but they say uridice because they is don't the fucking know. They the, don't uh, care. Is that where they smoke the scallop? Yeah. That's the best scene in the entire movie. And the way that he just goes after the head chef, not because he's like this mean-spirited, this evil person, but he just wants what's best for the chef. He's like you had a dream, right? You wanted to open an English pub, and this whole time he's just service with a smile. He just destroys his yeah. Yes, I loved it. And I'm living a miserable life. Yeah, he is because he's not happy. He none of it is real. the The customers aren't real. The critics aren't real. The, the investors don't give a shit about whether or not this is his dream. They just care about making a profit. And he says that to his face, and when nobody ever had that whole time, everyone is like, no, an English pub's a stupid idea. I mean, the scene speaks for itself, but that's the best scene in the movie. And Nicolas Cage's character, as we come to find out, is this great chef. He owned a restaurant as... We're not told much about the background of this movie. We're just supposed to piece it together for ourselves, which I love, but that head chef at Eurydice owes his career to him and a bunch of other chefs in Portland who are owning their own restaurants today in the movie owe their career to (laughs) Nicolas Cage's, to Rob. This is real to Jackson. Because that's how the movie, it's a movie, okay? Yeah. Yeah, it's like like John Wick, like the the world they present to us. The continental is real. too realistic. So, (laughs) so... Everyone owes their career. As soon as they say, like, this is Robin Fleck, everyone's like, oh, my God. It, hi, how, how have you been? And they don't know how to act because, like, they're so in, and he's so subdued. The whole reason he cut everyone out and he just secluded himself to being a truffle hunter with his pig on his farm because he was just tired of all the bullshit and he just wanted to seclude himself. And his yeah. pig was taken from him and he had to be thrust back into this world that he no longer wanted to be a part of. And he has to over... That's part of his arc, as well as the grief and acceptance about losing his pig. And the the way that everyone is just having to confront these relationships and these parts of their lives that they don't want to just further elevates everything going on. <laughs> I totally agree. And I just think it's a bit pretentious for my taste. How is it pretentious? It's so it's so quiet. It's so subdued, and it it feels so raw and natural. I I just think it's it. I think that his performance was good. I just think that the storyline itself just I don't. And then the underground fighting thing. I I thought it was a bit much. (laughs) But it's not even in the movie for that long. I know it's not, but I felt like it didn't just like I felt like okay. Well, what what. Purpose did it serve? Because he got the information scene, from the dude. The dude wouldn't give him the information be- when he bought him the plate. Okay, it did serve a purpose. You're right. It did serve a purpose because he got the information, but then he finds out who they are. He finds out who took his pig, and it's just like, oh, well. You know, he doesn't kind of really do anything about it at the same time. No, he time, does. You know, he, like, the whole time it's like this wild goose hunt trying to find it's a game of telephone. I know. And when we ultimately find out that it was Alex Wolf's character who. Uh, Alex Wolf's character's dad who took the pig. Dad. Because uh, he's trying to get him out of yeah, the game. Yeah, he's trying to get his son out of the game because he knows what's best for his son. And he doesn't, like, there, there's a whole thing between the father and son, which is great, that we'll touch on here in a second. But uh, he doesn't, like, uh, I thought that's where he was going to snap and he was going to turn into, like, this murderous thing. Like, But no, what he does is he 
he tells Alex Wolf's character, go get this list of ingredients, or go get the things on this list. I've got some errands to do. We're going to make your parents yeah. meal. Oh, yeah. A call- and that, Great scene. That was that's a good also scene. a callback to earlier whenever he Alex Wolf's character makes him French toast, and he's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I never cook. They have a moment where they get to cook. And he teaches him, like, mm. the intricacies, like, smell the ingredients so you get a... And it's all, like, said th- without being... There's no dialogue. But, he, like, he's learning an appreciation for these ingredients and, like, what this cooking can do for people. And he sees the effect that has on his... He already saw it when he was young with the way that his parents came back after that meal, like they'd never had before. And then his father breaks down crying and leaves the table. Yeah. And there's a 180 just from the... The sip of the wine and the few bite to the the quail that they had or whatever bird, yeah, it, whatever it was, it was bird, they, some, he just had yeah. a sip and a couple bites and he uh, had a breakdown and he had a complete one eighty. He's like, I am so sorry, but your pig is dead. <laughs> and huh, yeah, I can go on. Oh my god, I. And I love how they they those two characters complement each other of like what grief can do to you. You know, where Nicolas Cage is just secluded and just goes out, lives in the wilderness, where this guy just took advantage of that and built an entire, like, gang uh, underworld culinary empire (laughs) of truffles. (laughs) Again, it sounds silly. I know it does. But when you watch the movie, I don't know, it just works. It's very hard to explain. (laughs) Like, it's one of those movies you have to watch and, like, just get it. Because, like, I'm sure someone who hasn't watched the movie hearing us talk about it, it's like, really? really (laughs) Is it really that deep? But it really is. And I I didn't expect it. Yeah, I I had no idea what this was going to be. But, oh, my God. When the credits rolled, I was like, holy crap. What a picture. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, it's like, is... Is this a culinary movie? I, I thought <laughs> I thought he was just a farmer who lost a pig and was going to go crazy like in Nicolas Cage fashion. But no. Uh, such a delight. Yeah. I'm just so surprised Laurie didn't enjoy it as much as we did. I didn't. I didn't like the scene where he was talking to the little girl, like, or the, the kid, and he's with the drum. covered in blood. Yeah, with the yeah. Drum, oh, yeah. covered in blood. He never he took just, a shower. Like, <laughs> on his pig. He just wants his pig back. He doesn't give the a shit about time. anything else. He's tired, <laughs> and he just wants his pig back. I'm sorry. Like, who hasn't... How has he not been arrested and institutionalized at this point? Not only that, but where are the parents? He was with that kid for a while. Oh, you, you could actually hear the parents arguing inside uh, the house. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it was real subtle. Uh, luckily, yeah. the theater i went to uh i had like surround sound i was like oh I'm surprised because when i heard it i was like is is that the other movie from next door but no it was from the movie you could hear the parents arguing that inside kid, that kid was so, uh, so cute i mean you're what, nitpicking what's a yeah i don't know i don't know it was it, but i i will say uh Jack Nichols, I mean Jack Nicholson, uh, uh, Nicholas Cage. And Marlon Brando? And Marlon Brando. No, uh, I mean, he, stellar moments, but yeah, some of those, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought it was a little silly. I really did. I'm sorry. I would say, look, I'm going to call it now. Don't be surprised if this movie somehow makes it oh my God, to the Oscars. I would love that. If that still exists. <laughs> <laughs> at this point <laughs> but um i, I i'm gonna call it and maybe Lori, you might want to revisit okay. it when it comes oscar season maybe i think i think your perception of it 
was altered because of the trailer going in. So maybe this time around yeah, you're kind of over that silly premise and come at it in a different maybe. way. Maybe. And if not, hey, that's totally fine. I, I'm I'm all for people not liking it as much as loving it. It's all about perspective. <laughs> Wait, no. All films are subjective and it's all about perspective. Have a great day and a better tomorrow. Have a great day. And all right, tomorrow. that's our show, everybody. <laughs> that's the show, guys. <laughs> now we got two more movies to talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, Lori, I know you didn't like Pig, but maybe this next movie we'll talk about. It's not we'll that I about... didn't. <laughs> I didn't hate it. <laughs> Sounded like you did. I can't, I just was annoyed by it. I think, maybe, was I in a bad mood when I watched it? I It was, it was kind of like I did, like, and I get it. And I talked to other people about it too. And they were just like, yeah, Lori, I think you just read it wrong. And I was like, really? Maybe. Yeah, give it another watch at least. Yeah. But let's talk about our next movie here, Jungle Cruise. Dr. Lily Houghton, 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 enlists the aid of wisecracking skipper Frank Wolf. We've got another wolf to talk about here. Uh, to take her down the Amazon in his ramshackle boat. Together, they search for an ancient tree that holds the power to heal. A discovery that will change the future of Medicina. This stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt, directed by Jean Colette Serra. He directed The Orphan, or just Orphan. Uh, you can watch Jungle Cruise on Disney Plus with Premier Access, or if the theaters allow you, you could watch it there too. So, Lori, what did you think of Jumanji, Curse of the Black Pearl? Okay, my expectations going into this were pretty high. I love Emily Blunt. Uh, she's a force to be reckoned with. Usually love her and everything she's in. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he's just a feel-good type of guy. This is exactly his type of movie. So my expectations were pretty high going into it. I thought it was just going to be another Disney theme park movie. It was just going to be run-of-the-mill Disney. I wasn't really expecting a reinventing of the wheel. I went in with pretty low expectations. I mean, I wasn't expecting garbage, though. You know, I was. it was going to be... I mean, Disney, it's quality. It's just like, it's generic, you know? So I was expecting something like that. And I love, I love Jesse Plemons. He's such a phenomenal actor. So I was like, you know what? I'll make him earn his paycheck. So you're welcome. <laughs> we have Mary Poppins here. Uh, we have uh, Maui. Is that the only Disney IP that I could think of when it comes to The Rock? Uh, no, you got the game plan. Oh, that's right. And the Tooth Fairy, right? Is that Disney as well? Wouldn't surprise me. Might as well be. But yeah, I, I was thinking of Jumanji and I was thinking of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's hard not to. You know, Disney wants to strike gold again with that franchise and might as well do it with the other theme parks they have going on right now. Did anyone see Tomorrowland? No, I did not. I saw a different movie when it was in theaters and I can't even remember what that movie was. There was a Haunted Mansion the, with oh, Eddie yeah, Murphy. Oh yeah, with Eddie Murphy. I forgot about that one. I, I watched that on DVD and I was like... I don't know what's going on. It freaked me out. Obviously, we're not going to talk about Song of the South, but <laughs> it's it's a theme park yeah. ride. Or no, the theme park, the ride came after the movie. We're not going to get into that discussion. Um, <laughs> but obviously, Disney's trying to do these one-off haunted mansion, the Tomorrowland uh, theme park ride movies. I mean, do you see a franchise uh, to spring off of this one movie like Pirates of the Caribbean, Lori? I personally don't. I, there was a couple of problems in it for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And 
you know, I'll get more into that later. I know we're going to go into spoilers later. Uh, not only that, but I walked in and started watching the movie. And then all of a sudden I was just like, oh, my gosh, I've seen this movie before. Uh, mm. And it was just a little bit close to uh, and this is just my opinion. Have any of you ever seen The African Queen with Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn? Okay, that was actually Walt's inspiration for the Jungle Cruise ride at Disneyland. Okay, because that's what it basically was, except add all of the conquistadors and them not being alive. But that's exactly what it was. And there were some shots they did where I was just like, I felt like I was watching, like it it was just reminding me so much of African Queen. And it it begged me to ask the question. Like I'm just sitting there, I'm looking at it and I'm just like, well, I mean, I'd rather see African Queen. Funny Mm. enough, Cinemark was actually showing it for its like 80th anniversary this year. And I was like, the jungle or the African queen, what's that one about? And then lo and behold, whenever I watch Jungle Cruise, I read more about it. And that was the original inspiration. Yeah, Fully an African queen. Yeah, an African queen, Catherine Hepburn, and her brother are missionaries. It's the same timeline, though. It's that same timeline because there were a lot of missionaries over there. And her brother in the actual movie, this is African queen, gets killed. And then uh, they're trying to get her home to safety. And that's Humphrey Bogart's uh, job. He's And he's the one who, who runs, he's the captain of the African queen. And he used to be a soldier. And they have that kind of antagonistic relationship. Will they, won't they? Um, And you know what? I feel like while that setup was there, I think that what made the African queen so great in that uh, is something that they, our two lead characters didn't have in Jungle Cruise. I felt a huge lack of chemistry between Emily Blunt and The Rock. Absolutely. I feel like they could have done it. I felt like it was easy because it was there. But I, I feel like that holding back might have been for like maybe a rating, a PG, or maybe now that we're in this very, you know, uh, sensitive culture, you know, you know, you watch the African Queen and Humphrey Bogart calls her out on her shit and, you know, that scene where they're right there and they're in each other's face. He's not just like, oh, okay. And walking away, he grabs her and he lays one on her. And then you're like, yes, you know, because that's the, <laughs> you know, that's, that's where that heat comes from, you know, and there's yeah. like a love thing there back and forth between them. And that's where it comes from. And that was totally lacking here for me. I felt like even parts where they could have kissed because by the time, even in the end when they embraced and there was kind of like that one kiss and I was just like no I wanted to see something leading up to it because at that point I couldn't tell where they were just really good friends or they even you know felt that way because there was just a lack of it I wanted to see more of a buildup, and I wanted to see it expressed just a little bit more because it was a little bit lacking for me you know what Jungle Cruise could have used some more abuse That's what... <laughs> <laughs> no! some, some more domestic it's... violence it's not domestic violence, you know, and and I mean to say they weren't together like, yet. <laughs> I know, I know, and this is why I'm saying that my old schoolness comes into it a little bit because it's it's just I don't know. There was, and, and you know what though, it goes back to that old argument, that beautiful scene in Gone with the Wind, where you know Scarlett O'Hara walks away from Rhett Butler. And, you know, she's in front of that grand staircase and he turns around and says, oh, no, this is one night. You're not going to turn me away. She slaps him. He doesn't care. He kisses her. He grabs her and he takes her up those stairs. All right. 
Nowadays, you can't film a scene like that. You know, you can't be like, oh, my gosh, that's rape. <laughs> and that's the least of Gone with the Wind's problems. <laughs> exactly. And at the end of the movie, she's all happy and brushing out her hair because she is completely and 100% satisfied, even though she's kind of pouting and this and that. And that's the reality. We, Of course, we want a man consent. You know, of course, always have that. But there's also, I think now we're getting so far away from spontaneous moments. You know, it's just they're like that scene where everything's perfect and I want to kiss. Wait, is it okay if I kiss you? Like, like maybe like, let's see some of those moments. It, I feel like it's not so wrong. I do want to bring up the point uh, you brought up uh, movies now are a little bit more PC uh, to appease more modern audiences. But I think it's a little bit deeper. I think what especially companies like Disney want to do is... They're trying to gain the audiences around the world. And I think in that sense, they're thinking about so many different cultures. And so they're just trying to play it as safe as they can. Because, I mean, if you look at countries like in the Middle East over there and how how laws are so much different over there for women compared to here. And so what yeah. Disney's... And, but they're one of the riches. Uh, I think it's Saudi Arabia. How They're one of the richest countries in the world. And so you're thinking of Disney right now, just saying, okay, what do we not want to do in order for them to watch our movie? And I, I think it it's more with that, more of them trying to grab the audiences around the world as opposed to yeah. politically correct. Yeah. And I, I think it's very harmful uh, for American movies because I still think there is a culture in American cinema uh, that has Definitely. been getting lost in terms of trying to appease everyone else around the world. I don't know, uh, but I think that's a, a deeper discussion to have uh, for another day. But I, I just think that movies, I think movies like Disney, uh, what they're trying to produce, like Jungle Cruise, uh, falls victim to that. But uh, going on the point of the cast, uh, Jackson, what did you think of the overall cast? I got to say the same thing as Laurie. There, uh, total lack of chemistry between Emily Blunt and The Rock, which... I didn't think they were going to go that route if they're really going for the strong female perspective, you know. I didn't think they were going to do a whole love thing, and then they did, and then the chemistry just made it worse because it's like, I don't want these two to get involved because I think it'll lessen the story or, the, you know, like, not because, like, the woman doesn't need... You know what I'm trying to say. I just feel like if they really focused in on that more... And instead of the lack of chemistry between the two, work with what you got instead of trying to force the story on these actors that clearly have no chemistry. And The Rock was kind of a dick in this movie. I'm not sure if, like, he just didn't seem as charismatic. I don't know. His his vibe was off, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he didn't seem like himself. If they're going to go full on with the rom romantic relationship in the movie, go for it. It's okay to have a platonic relationship between a female and a male. Absolutely. There's other movies that have done that, and it, it works great. Yeah, I don't know why they want to play it both ways. Pick a side and just commit to it. Paul Giamatti's in the movie. That's right. <laughs> I love Paul Giamatti. When he showed up, I was like, hey, this guy, what's he been up to? And then uh, Jesse Plemons, the reason why I saw the movie, I think he was underused. They split their villain in half, and that always hmm. leads to the conquistadors got less screen time than they deserved, and so did Jesse Plemons. 
they're they could have both the villains were sorely underwritten and they just i mean something was there it was enough to latch on to but there was nothing more other than that didn't go any deeper than the plot yeah as grand as this movie presented itself to be in the marketing correct me if Mm -hmm. i'm wrong but uh, i think it was lackluster but i kind of want to save that discussion for spoilers because i I don't think there's much to talk about for non-spoilers i think that's pretty much it yeah for those who haven't watched it go watch it come back and you can hear us uh talk about spoilers uh let's rate it first yes go ahead so with that being said all of that stuff like how we the stuff i didn't like about that movie with that being said I still think it was a theme park on screen. You know, there's not really much to latch onto in a theme park. It's all pretty basic. And if it, it's a theme park attraction brought to the screen. And it was nothing more than that. And the visuals, I saw it in IMAX, so maybe that added to it. But the visuals, I thought, are actually pretty darn good. With it being a whole spectacle thing, not much substance. That's what we were getting, ultimately. I didn't go in with super high expectations again, but... I didn't think we are going to get garbage, so maybe I'm just a little bit... I feel nicer to this movie than I sound. I wouldn't mind paying six bucks to see it again. You know, I'm going to be kind to this movie, too, because my kids really enjoyed it. While not all of them, one of them fell asleep. That was Layla, <laughs> and that's never a good sign. But uh, but no, I mean, for the most part, though, we all enjoyed it. Uh, and, and I yeah, for that, I'm going to go ahead and give it 675. So before I rate it, I just want to really quick explain my experience with the movie. So I'm sitting at home, my mom's living room, actually, and I'm about to watch the movie. And oh, I forgot Premiere Access. Uh, so you have to dish out $30. <laughs> And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about a lot of things, you know, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Scarlett Johansson, the lawsuit. I'm thinking about just, uh, you know, HBO Max is giving all these blockbusters for free. And here's Disney uh, being that little greedy mouse at it again. And so confession, I didn't watch (laughs) Jungle Cruise. In fact, I spent my night watching Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, which I love that movie so much. I'm sorry. I watched it. It was there on Disney+. Plus. It's for free. So what I would say is don't spend $30 on Premier Access. Disney has enough money. Go watch Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, Johnny Depp's great, Orlando Bloom's great. Watch it on Disney+. Plus. Pay Disney 8 bucks a month to watch Pirates of the Caribbean. Go to your local Goodwill and find it on <laughs> DVD. You will get it for about uh, two to five dollars. I guarantee it. And if you don't, if you don't see it at Goodwill, keep looking somewhere else. <laughs> Do not give Disney your money. They already made a great theme park ride movie, uh, like two decades ago. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean came out two decades ago. Spoilers? Yeah, go spoil it for me. I don't. I'm never gonna watch this movie. Uh, her brother is gay. Yes, but is how? He? How cool Izzy. would it have been if him and The Rock had ended up together in the end? 
See, that's what I was thinking. That would have been better for the movie, but you know The Rocks definitely has something in his contract about that. Okay, so I had no idea that there was a brother. Uh, whose yeah. brother is this? Emily Blunt's? It's exactly like how Lori said with the African Queen. It's a woman and her brother going on an expedition, and then there's this chiseled oh, wow. guy who's kind of rough around the edges who drives the boat that they're on. He's like, look, lady, I'm just looking for a paycheck. And that that's their whole dynamic. Mm. So instead of, well, now you have two options. So watch Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, or watch African Queen. Yeah, do a little double feature. So, question about that. How do they reveal that the brother is, quote-unquote? They have a conversation, uh, they being um, The Rock and the brother. They have a conversation about... Mm. I forget how it got started, but then suddenly we were at the point where ladies didn't catch his fancy or something like that. and They revealed it in some Mm. sort of, like... Through dialogue? Yeah, he was telling The Rock because he was just like, oh, he goes, so you, he goes, you support your sister. And she's like, well, she's always supported me. He said, whenever my family, you know, turn their back on me just because, you know, he goes, they would invite, you know, I had a couple of engagements and every time it didn't work out, you know, and then they looked at him. She goes, but she stood up for me and she stood by my side. And he goes, "I'll, I'll, I'll stand with her through anything. And it was a very sweet, tender moment. They never came out and said it, though. Nope. And I bet you that scene was cut in Russia and China. Yep. You can easily cut that scene because that's only what that scene's there for. What is it called? Is it a queer coding or queer baiting? It's one of those two, uh, right? In this case, I would call it queer baiting because they didn't really do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. But they're there to collect all that LGBT ticket sales. Like, hey, come on. Yeah. Come on. And they didn't even reveal <laughs> that information before the movie came out. It's a, it's treated like a reveal. But like the way he acts, you don't really see him in any of the trailers, though. So I thought he was a good actor. I liked his character. He was phenomenal. Uh, and I for thought very tender. He wasn't a stereotype. No. That, that's what I liked. And I, I he had a lot of things, you know. He was kind of yeah. he was very posh, and they played with that. Yeah. Mm. And I I thought it, yeah. it was very natural. Yes. For the for the character they were going for. Unlike the relationship between Emily Blunt and The Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got it, and they just were there for a paycheck. They're like, hey, Disney money, and we're just gonna be ourselves for a movie. I know. And it seems like even in the promo material that The Rock and Emily Blunt don't even like each other that much. It's so weird. Like, I get a weird chemistry vibe from them, even when they're not in character. But then there's the whole story that uh, Hollywood Reporter is trying to put out, like, why The Rock recruited Emily Blunt for Jungle Cruise. And so it's... But then they didn't like... I don't know. Their whole thing is weird, so... But he was good. Yeah. Also, I don't know for those who didn't know, but the director is actually going to be directing the Black Adam movie. Oh. Yeah, so I guess this okay. this was like a little uh for him and The Rock to kind of work together, a little a little appetizer before the big show. Mhm. Which hey, they're playing both sides, you know, you got a Warner Brothers property and a Disney property. Look at them. Yeah, it's good for these little actors to be getting getting some some press. The Rock isn't in enough, I would say. Was there any other uh spoiler did, you know, did The Rock <laughs> die? He did, actually. Duh. Yeah, he was he couldn't die. First of all, because he was a conquistador. Oh, as long as he as long as he was near the water, which is why he drives a boat. So there's a whole reason. But we weren't on the river the whole time. We were kind of near it, 
for a moment. Like, we always had to be near the river, but there were parts where it's like, are we sure we're near the river right now? It seems like we're... It was weird. <laughs> like we're not. So the rock did die. What he did is he sacrificed himself. He blocked off the river because he knew that there was no way else for the... If the conquistadors were going to get them, and there was, they were trapped. So he blocked off the water from where they were, and he sacrificed himself. And then Emily Blunt only has one leaf because the tree died way too fast. How long was that night? The moon passed way too quickly. It was like... Yeah, the moon stays in the sky for a good <laughs> bit. It's going to be there for like a few hours. You can grab as many as you need. So yeah, uh, they only have one petal left, and he said to go take it and free the world of medicine, but she uses it on him, puts it in, because he was like, his mouth is open when he froze into a statue. That's what happens whenever you're no, no longer near the water. Mm. His mouth is open. So she put it in his mouth, and nothing happens for a while. They really make you, like, hammer it home, like, hey, he's not coming back. And then, yeah. lo and behold, there's a crack of pink glowy stuff, because the leaf is glowy. Mm. And then he comes out, he's free, and he's alive. He's not a rock anymore. He's, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesse Plemons uh, negotiates with a bee. That That's fun. Like a, like he yells a, at a bee. Like a honeybee. You, you liked him a lot more than I did. I thought he I was mean, the poor man's version of Christoph Waltz in uh, <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. That's what his character was. And I, Jesse I know, Plemons was but... doing as much as he possibly could to save that. Wow. I just thought I thought it was generic. I thought it was yeah, like absolutely. Like I didn't I did not like him in this movie. <laughs> Sorry, I thought he could have done something more unique. Yeah. Time to leave the Amazon and uh, let's travel back in time to a uh, a magical time. The Green Knight, King Arthur's headstrong nephew, embarks on a daring quest to confront the Green Knight, a mysterious giant who appears at Camelot, risking. His head, he sets off on an epic adventure to prove himself before his family and court. The movie stars Dev Patel and Alicia Vikander, directed by a ghost story's David Lowry. Jackson, what did you think of The Green Knight? So, expectations going into it, I was psyched. I was so ready for this. David Lowry, I love a ghost story. Dev Patel's great in everything he does. And. I was so excited. I was just coming off a fantasy kick. You heard my... Whenever the trailer came out, you heard me gush about it and how excited I was. You can listen to that previous episode. Uh, Just a shameless plug for our (laughs) podcast that we're currently on. (laughs) Uh, Leave us a review. Rate us five stars. Or not. Whatever you thought. Anyway. So I was psyched. And I couldn't wait to see this. And it was a lot headier than the trailers led on. There was a lot of symbolism and it was not as... Grand. It didn't have that grandiose feeling that the trailer had. Mm. Lori, I have to ask: Are you familiar with the Authorian tale, The Green Knight, or Gawain and the Green Knight? Uh, okay, my expectations were high going into this, and I love all of the tales from King Arthur and King Arthur's Court. I used. I had a whole phase where I watched all of them. I watched Excalibur. I watched Merlin. Anything that had first night. Anything that had to do with it. So yes, I am familiar. 
Uh, and the fact that he is, of course, the son of, uh, you know, Mor- Morgan Le- Morgana Le Fay. And I was obsessed with her when I was like in those weird angsty junior high years because she's like, she's like a straight up witch <laughs> and a sorcerer and everything. She's like, oh, just so everything about her. But uh, yeah, so really quick, I'm not gonna lie, that character in that movie, I was getting Lori vibes. Uh, yes! I love that. She was my favorite. I loved her. Yeah. So yeah, high expectations going into this and definitely my cup of tea. So going into it, very high expectations. All right. Yeah. Same here. Uh, the trailer is great. Uh, David Lowry. I-, I love a ghost story and I was just excited to see what he would do with this property. I do have to agree with Jackson. I think I was expecting not a different type of movie because visually it's stunning. I, I will just say it right off the bat. It's the most beautiful movie of this year uh, thus far. Uh, just visually beautiful, beautiful. And we'll talk about it more. But maybe I was just thinking when you think of like authorian tales, you think of battles and war and uh, these extravagant adventures and fights. And this is not th- that type of movie. and And it's not the movie's fault it's more of my fault for going in with those expectations so what i want to do next time is go into it knowing that because i will say leaving the movie theater (laughs) this is very funny don't don't judge me but coming out of it uh i watched it with a few friends and the first thing i thought of like maybe we should have watched jungle uh, jungle cruise uh (laughs) because keep in mind (laughs) uh, context full context uh, because i don't want anyone to hurt me me saying that but we had just come (laughs) off a a week-long rehearsal uh we would go in from 6 p.m and we wouldn't leave the theater until like 11 p.m at night with no breaks and we only had one day off and that was a friday we had friday off so friday evening we decided to go watch that movie and it was like after a whole long day (laughs) or a long week the green knight i think i was just expecting some a fight. I was expecting some swords to bang each other, you know, like I was expecting something like that. I don't think that's your fault, though. I think that's A24's fault for selling the movie that way. Mm, maybe, maybe. But I think a part of it has to be our fault because they don't ever show that type of action in the trailers. They show a lot of visuals, a lot of like scenery. Um, I, I think it's us coming off of like you had recently watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. So maybe, you know, I think your expectations were somewhere in that kind of realm. And so I do want to watch this movie again and see it from a different perspective. But I will say this movie is is great. It's it's a beautiful movie. Very beautiful. Yeah. That's similar to how I felt with Pig. I went in there expecting crazy Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Did you want Nicolas Cage to choke a pig? Is that what you wanted? Yeah, and instead I got Nicolas Cage thinking a lot. Mm. Internalizing a lot. And I was, I don't know. And that's why I'm the same when it comes to Pig. I want to watch that again in a different mindset. Okay. Uh, But no, you're completely right, though. It's such a beautiful film. Uh, but yes, I was expecting a little bit more. I'm with you on that. I was expecting a little bit more action. I wasn't expecting as, it to be as psychological as it was. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and you really have to. And then the ending itself is just so... There's a couple of directions you can go here. Because even the ending itself, you're like, well, what happened? Yeah. 
And so I think uh, I, I think that's kind of beautiful, though, that it does leave it up to the person. And then I guess when we get into spoilers, we can all kind of, you know, talk about what we individually think happened. Yes. Yeah. I've talked with Azure about it mm-hmm. and it went kind of over our heads. We didn't really know what we were talking about or what we were what we were to think about it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I saw a review and kind of an explain, but I had my own thing coming out of it. I had a little thing, a little nugget. I've been waiting to look. I've been looking forward to talking to y'all about this movie because I really want to know what y'all yes. think. Yeah. And they had a, they gathered a different thing from it, so I'm sure y'all did too. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that everyone's going to come away from it differently. Yeah, that's what I love about this movie. Even the movie itself kind of gives you those options to take. I, there's one scene in particular, and I, I do want to. I'll save it for spoilers, but there's a couple of scenes or moments in the movie where make me question the reality of the movie in itself. And I, I love that. I love that mystical part about it. I love how it's set in chapters. It's like mm-hmm. you're watching an authority and tell. Uh, and you could tell David Lowry loves this story specifically. And I did my own research on the story itself because I, ne- I never heard of Gawain and the Green Knight. So I, I wanted to see the source material and uh, what's so different about it. I just want to get into the cast really quick because Dev Patel is amazing. Uh, Such a great actor. And I know uh, he got a lot of praise for Lion a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. which I have yet to see. But now I want to go revisit that movie because of his performance here. And also there was that other, uh, the the Magician movie, Uh, Copperfield. Oh, yeah, the... The history of David Copperfield. Yeah. yeah. So again, I, I just want to binge on uh, Dev Patel now because he carries this movie so well. Mm-hmm. And, and if he didn't work in this movie, the whole movie wouldn't work, even if it was visually beautiful. But he does it with grace. I, I'm in love with Dev Patel now. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. No, he's he's wonderful. I guess aside from, but even I like him. Did y'all ever see the best Mary, the best exotic marigold? hotel no i didn't but i heard about that one a lot of people gave him a lot of crap for that one. Oh, but mm. i'm gonna tell you something okay i recently i have y'all seen palms with diane keaton in them Mm-mm. okay so anyway that's another one and that's a good one but i'm a sucker for these movies with like these uh when they get all of these like old academy award winning actresses that are all like in <laughs> in the the you know the last years of their lives and they put them all in one movie and they did that in the the best exotic marigold you know hotel and uh he's like one of the main actors in it he's trying to get everything running trying to get it going and a lot of people said oh my gosh this was his big bomb but i even liked him in that i don't think i've ever seen him in anything that i didn't like uh i've been a fan of him since slumdog and Mm -hmm. yeah and and he was amazing there uh so it's no surprise but my gosh i mean this one just kind of reaffirmed everything for me yeah he's he's a force to be reckoned with and i can't wait to see what projects he does in the future i say that a lot about so many different people in the industry but i really can there's a lot of good people working right now yes and where is his academy award he was nominated for lion so i mean this this would be a great one yeah i'm I'm hoping he gets nominated here uh like nicholas cage yes but you know what i'm so glad i did watch this movie even though i felt the way i felt about it right after compare and contrast to what we just talked about with jungle cruise where that's such a manufactured 
movie, you know, like A-list actor, A-list actress, theme park ride, uh, just has all the ingredients for a great movie. And here's David Lowry and A24, which, quick sidebar, can we go back to Pig real quick? And just, we give a lot of praise to A24, but Neon, the distribution Neon company. Neon is just as good. We don't really praise them as much on the show or in general, but I think we should because A24 and Neon, they just continue to produce or just distribute these great types of movies. Neon gave us I, Tanya. It brought Parasite over to us. Mm-hmm. It brought that Apollo 11 documentary yep. that was all like refreshed footage. They've been doing great work for a long time. I, I just want to know the budget on this thing because uh, I know it doesn't look, it's not as grand as Lord of the Rings, but the production behind it is just phenomenal. It, there's one scene, what's it's where the girl that is in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes, Winifred. Okay, Winifred. So her house, they do like they they're outside the house and the out in the back of the house, obviously they have lights set up and I think it's like this teal green uh light that's just beaming and then you have the fog going and I'm like, "Oh, that's so like that's so theater. That's so beautiful just a a set stage i thought the same thing while watching it like this feels very theatrical yes and it's so just just a beautiful movie i'm gonna keep saying that a lot but it's clear that david lowry had a clear-cut vision there's some scenes that go on a little too long for me but i appreciate that david Mm. lowry made that choice and say no i want this to be this long he got to realize what he wanted to showcase and Got to commend him for that. Absolutely. And there's other cast members here I want to talk about before going into spoilers. I don't know his name. Can somebody look him up? But every time he shows up in a movie, he's a piece of (laughs) shit. Oh, him. Yes. (laughs) As soon as he showed up here, I remembered him being in in the trailers. (laughs) I just forgot he was in the movie until he showed up. And I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. (laughs) What is this guy? Barry Keoghan. Or Keoghan. Yeah. Dunkirk, Chernobyl, Killing of Sacred Deer. If you haven't seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, watch that. Oh my goodness. That's a movie. Uh, he's going to be Officer Stanley Merkel in The Batman. Matt Reeves' Batman movie. Really? I'm not sure if that's a, a character. Is is that a character? No, I'm just surprised he's in The Batman. Yeah, who isn't, right? Don't get me started. I saw the trailer and I am not excited. Wait, for the Batman? That's a discussion for a different day. Wait, you're not excited for the Batman? Nirvana's in the trailer. Oh my god. Wow, okay, well. But we'll talk when we get there. Absolutely. I don't yes. I don't like the new Batman. I don't like the new Batman. I really want to talk about that now. We'll talk about it. You know what? We'll talk about it when the next trailer that drops. That could be a bonus episode. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm telling you. I got opinions about that trailer. Enough about the Dark Knight. Let's talk about the Green Knight. The Green Knight himself. Oh, my goodness. Ah! This ain't your daddy's Groot, okay? This guy is scary. (laughs) This The makeup, the prosthetics, the costume is just glorious. When he shows up to the round table on his horse, who voices him? Oh, oh, oh. Um, Oh, you know what? I I, I do know, actually. I don't know the name, but if anyone could get the name. Ralph Innocent. Okay. He is the father in the Vavitch. Yes. Yes. So I think that was 824 as well. Mm-hmm. So look at that. Great relationship he has with that studio. Uh, but what a great <laughs> voice. Uh, uh, just 
temper your expectations. If you haven't seen it yet and you were waiting for us to talk about it, first of all, thank you. (laughs) Second of all, really plugging ourselves here. Don't expect like the big old action pieces, you know, don't, don't expect Lord of the Rings type of two swords never meet (laughs) in this movie. This is a very quiet movie. It makes you think. Yeah, it's a thinker. So just turn like leave the Lord of the Rings expectations at the door and don't fall asleep during the movie. <laughs> I actually uh there was <laughs> Did a you? part like the movie had gotten started and I was like, "Man, I am feeling so <laughs> sleepy all of a sudden." And then for like 5 minutes, I dozed off and then something happened and I just got a huge jolt of energy. I'm like, "Okay, wow." <laughs> Where did this come from? I was I fell asleep for five minutes. I didn't really miss much though. It was just him going through the forest before he met the the little kid, Barry Keoghan's character. Mm, yeah, and then uh, their conversation. I missed like the first two thirds of it. Hey guys. Yeah. Quick question. Yes. Y'all y'all have either one of y'all seen Excalibur? No. no. That explains so much about your expectations. There's no fighting in Excalibur. It's not that there is there of course there's some sex and some you know witchcraft oh well, and, great you know, sorcery and and there is a couple of very epic battles but the majority of this very long movie is about it it's it's kind of psychological because you know it's a, a young King Arthur you know pulling the sword and it goes into a lot of a lot of the Arthurian stuff is a lot of head games especially with moms and sons so. Okay, so you've only seen Arthurian, Ar- Ar- Arthurian stuff, but like the more modern stuff. Well, I was just I thinking remember- fantasy in general. Like, th- I thought this was going to be a fantasy. There's a talking fox. There's a talking tree. You know, Lord of the Rings has yeah. talking trees. So, and the the trailer's got this big music. Everything's like, wow, that's going to be a great movie. Like a big fantasy thing. I, and they'd only said 14th century short story or whatever they called it i didn't really hear the word oh, okay. arthurian during any of the marketing so i didn't go in expecting that i was like oh this is arthur's nephew okay there was one trailer that actually had the old english script on it and it was kind of i felt like that trailer and i i i don't think it was one of the trailers that i had looked up but i don't think it was released here mm. Uh, mm. but that was a little bit more telling to the whole arthurian thing do you all not recall us talking about the trailer and Lori was the only one that was not excited about this movie yeah <laughs> isn't that so funny <laughs> you were like i don't know what's going on here what are we doing? Yeah. I'm not excited. Yeah. No, no. And I wasn't at the time until I saw it. Yeah, that's just funny. And and I'm not saying I didn't like it I, at all. I'm just... Because then it kind of, I was like, oh, okay. I saw the take they were doing. I started looking more into it because Aiden couldn't believe it either. He's like, mom, this is right up your alley. Because I've already showed them like a lot of these movies and stuff like that, especially coming out of that. I would have told y'all to go and watch Excalibur before y'all watched The Green Knight. Well, when did that come out? That's like from 19... Did she freeze? Oh. <laughs> no! She was just glaring at you. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know I the exact... glaring at I don't you. know the exact year Excalibur came out. <laughs> 1981. Ah, Okay. But I mean, it's it. What year did Mrs. Doubtfire come out? It, Don't look it up. Nineteen ninety-one. Look that up right now. Nineteen ninety-three. You had to look it up. 
Sorry. The first... Uh, I just watched Mrs. Doubtfire today. Sorry. The first trailer that came out, though, for The Green Knight was a little bit off-putting to me. And then I kind of like... It got more buzz. I don't know. The original trailer was very confusing. I felt like they didn't explain a lot of the stuff. But maybe that was my fault, too. Because then when I got in, there were so many things. I was like, oh, oh. And but I don't, but didn't you know The Green Knight already? It. Like, didn't you know about the story before the trailer came out? I knew about the story, but it's not hit on a lot. Okay. It's really not talked about a lot. And a lot of the stuff that I've watched is very prevalent to King Arthur in his younger years and how he came into power. Because that's really the story that they always concentrate on. The sword and the stone. Mm -hmm. You know, all of those. First night, all of those are always King Arthur. You know, when he's young. In this movie, uh, King Arthur's like dying. (laughs) Yeah, this story's about his deadbeat nephew. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's a story that like, you know, you hear about and stuff, but you've never really seen. Yeah. And I don't know. I would say there was a lot of vision to put this on the big screen, though, because mm-hmm. um, I, I think that this could have been done very badly had the wrong people been behind this. Yeah, I think it was a perfect fit from the cast to the director. Everything about it was great. And with that being said, I think we should get into spoilers. Let's rate it. All right. Lori, I I should give it to you because you had the least amount of expectations going in just from the trailer, but I feel like you love this movie more than we both do. Lori's had an evolving relationship with this movie since that first trailer came out. Yeah, look at that. Uh You come around. So I have. What would you rate it? I would rate it, okay, it's not going to be a 10 for me because I do agree with you on the slowness of it on some parts. Like some parts I'm like, ah, I think that scene was over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like we could have, that could have been shorter. (laughs) Uh, The other thing is, is there is some confusion. There are some things that they fail to explain, which leaves it open for interpretation, which I think uh, is not going to have a great, like I feel like when you leave it kind of confusing like that, it makes pe- it makes it hard for it to resonate with people and them to go out there and say, "Hey, you got to check out this movie." I don't know, I don't know what it meant, but you got to <laughs> see it. You know, there you don't find a lot of people saying that. Yeah. So I I think uh, I think that little bit of confusion, but I still really enjoyed it. I'm going to give this one eight dollars. Okay, Jack's home. The Rotten Tomato score, the difference between the critics, which is a 95, and the audience tomato meter, and I haven't seen if it's gone down since, uh, that was a 55. So yeah, (laughs) audiences did not resonate with this movie whatsoever. I, however, loved it. 9 out of 10. Emphatic 9. It's not like, oh, it maybe could be a 10. No, this is like an emphatic 9. Yeah. I don't think it's perfect. Um, but with those pauses, like those moments that linger, I really feel like David Lowry was just trying to make us live in the moments that he was creating. Like even if the scene was over, he was really just trying to make us feel that with yeah. Sir Guywin. Yeah. This movie is a true odyssey, a journey of a man who wants to become a knight and has to deal with a lot of consequences and has to face a lot of things that men <laughs> have to face in their lifetime. But I love the cast. Visually, it's the most beautiful movie I've seen this year. So with that being said, I have to agree with Jackson. I would give it a, a solid nine. And I just can't wait to see what more he does with his next feature, uh, David Lowry. And I'm going to revisit or visit for the first time Excalibur and just get into 
Morathorian Tales. Yeah, I'm putting that on my watch list for right now so I don't forget. Yeah. All right, you whippersnappers. Get out of here. Go on your little own adventure. Once you become a knight, you can hear us talk about spoilers. Let's talk about it. So, <laughs> I guess the moral of the story is, th- this is what I uh, <laughs> I asked my friends after we watched the movie. I was like, what did we learn today? And I started with, I learned that men need to stop being so me. <laughs> That's what I. <laughs> that's what I got from the movie. <laughs> you guys need to keep it in your pants. How about that? This really is a coming of age movie. <laughs> you. Yeah. But you know what? That's a theme that's resonating. Go and watch Excalibur, King Arthur. That's a thing. They make him out, and later on in his life, he did because his start was he had a lot of the same pitfalls. He couldn't keep it in his pants. Just like King David in the Bible. But I do like that Gawain, in this journey that he goes on, he fails like almost every interaction he has, starting with that little little ah. shit of a boy. I guess the lesson was that he wasn't uh, generous enough. Mm-hmm. You know, he gives him like a little coin, and maybe that was on the beggar's end. Maybe he wasn't grateful, but I see it more as Gawain not being more giving. And also, you you can talk about uh, Winifred. You know, uh, right before he goes into the lake to get his the head, the first thing he says, like, oh, what do I get in return? And she's like, man, I'm just asking you. Why to would get... you treat this as a transaction? Yeah, like, I'm asking for a favor. I'm like, my spirit's being haunted. <laughs> I want to be set free. And then also, obviously, I think the biggest aspect of the story I found out that's here is when he visits the uh, the house, the big kingdom, the house. I don't know what it is. But uh, obviously there is uh, lust. You know, he gives in to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought all of it was great. I-, I loved how every single task that he came across, he felt that. Without him even yeah. knowing, he felt. You know, he had a clear-cut mission of like, I'm going to kill the Green Knight uh, again. Yeah, that that's a conversation that him and Joel Edgerton have. Yeah. It's like, so you think you're just going to go on this quest and then after you're done, you're going to be a knight. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh. oh and, okay. And I love, again, so uh, going more into the story here, the actress, Alicia Vikander, she plays two characters yeah. in the movie. Uh, she is the wife of the man that, what is he? Is he a king of his own castle? I'm going to call him the hunter. He was a hunter. Cause, yes. So yeah. the wife of the hunter, she has a great speech about colors and how like what red represents and how green is the color of the earth and yet it's that's what's left after yes and it'll always be there after and it's such a great monologue she has there but also on the other side she plays a she's in a brothel you know she's she's a lover of Gawain she's Dev Patel's girl yeah and they they eventually have a kid uh, at the end and that plays out how it plays out Mm-hmm. Uh, or does it <laughs> can we talk about that scene where i thought like reality just kind of like warped and it's when i absolutely love that see to, to me he that's what would have happened if he just ran away that would have been his life if he didn't answer for any of his consequence that would have been what the life he, uh, you reap what you sow mm-hmm. that would have been the life that he sowed having ran away from this game it's a game, and he takes it way too seriously in the beginning. He's like, it could be a scratch on the cheek. 
It could be a gash to the leg, whatever they say in the in the letter. Are you talking about like, this is a game? Are you talking about right before he gets beheaded, like he runs away? Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of a different mm-hmm. scene. Okay. So the scene that caught me off surprise was when the beggar ties him up and leaves him there for oh, dead. Oh yeah. And the camera does a swivel, <gasps> and he sees his all own the r- death. way around. It comes back to him. He's dead, and then swivels back. That's the scene. I was like, ooh. Is this the afterlife? That's what would happen if he just accepted the situation and didn't do a damn thing about it. Because right after that Mm -hmm. moment, a lot of surreal things start happening. Because everything before... The giants. Yes, like the fox is talking, a headless girl, all that starts happening. And before that, it's real tamed. But I just love that whole sequence. I'm like, okay, this... At least that's what I got from it. Like from here on is just a different reality that he's living in. But also that the whole sequence yeah. uh, when he avoids the beheading at the end. Uh, also, that was a great uh, what if kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, oh, my God. That really That was the moment where me. the shrooms kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. Like so many instances were. And then the rest of the time, man, we're so high. <laughs> we were like so high. We saw giants. <laughs> Dude, the little fox dude that was that was by my side the whole time. He started talking. He said it like my mom, dude. <laughs> you know I hate my mom. Lori, I have a question about that. <laughs> Such a witch. I, I I have a question about that one, Lori. So Gawain's mother summoned the Green Knight, right? So that way he can be king, or so he can just die. I don't. I, that's what confuses me. She summoned the Green Knight because he, at, at that point, did not have the qualities to be king. So she summoned the Green Knight to try to make him grow up. Oh, okay. She summoned the Green Knight to make him a man worthy of it. Because if he wasn't worthy of it, she didn't want him there anyway. You know, it's one of those things, you know? Talk about tough love. Yeah, it's well, tough love. Well, he's a love. deadbeat. He's like in his mid-20s and he spends all his time in the brothel. drinking. Yeah. He's drunk on Christmas Day. And yeah. a year later, we don't see anything that happens in that year because it doesn't matter because he didn't change at all in that one year. That year was supposed to prepare and everything for this quest that he's supposed to go on. And he just spends the whole time drinking. He gets in fights. Yeah. Uh, I'm starting to resonate with Galway now. You need to stop with that, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to reevaluate my life for a sec. Shut up, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I was caught by surprise with this movie. I was like, oh, a reflection. No. <laughs> Get that mirror away from me. <laughs> So yeah, his mom's like tired. This is like her final. This is like the last thing she can do. Like I've, she's run out of options at this point. Yeah, tough love, uh, and she sends him on this quest. It's a game, and all he had to do was just like just chip at the bark a little bit, and but no, he went. He got superheated real quick. He was thinking irrationally, and he rushed into it, and he sentenced himself to death by chopping off the Green Knight's head. Mm. And so now, uh, and and that's why the mom falls to her knees or collapses afterwards because she realizes, like, fuck, you know? So I thought the mother summoned the Green Knight to kill the king so that way Gawain could be king. But it makes more sense because Gawain wasn't worthy at the time, so he wouldn't have gotten the position anyways. Yeah, even when he was king, the last person to leave him sitting up there by himself was his mom, and she pushed him away and she looked at him in disgust she was disgusted by what became of him like this is the lesson that was supposed to teach him how to be a man to to take responsibility 
And uh, that that's my main takeaway is just accepting responsibility. You reap what you sow, and that's karma. He's getting his head cut off because he didn't he took the game way too seriously. And the game is life. I guess that's a larger metaphor, which is ironic because he didn't take life seriously at all, but he took this game, this worthless, just kind of nothing. It could have been a nothing thing, and then it became his last week of life. Yeah. And so the green belt just was a security blanket and he finally took it off for once and stood up for himself or not stood up for himself, but finally accepted responsibility at the end. And I, I thought it was clear cut and dry that he was getting his head cut off and they actually shot that scene, but in the editing room they they decided to keep it open-ended. And I love that final shot that, that final line now off with your head. So that was supposed to be the original ending? No, uh, the original ending, we were going to see Gaiwan's head get cut off. We saw the beheading in the original cut, but they decided last minute to keep it open-ended. And I think that's, I like that, especially for the whole life thing. I would have liked it more if they would have cut his head off. See, I already think it's clear cut and dry, but I, and I didn't even consider the fact that it was open-ended until people started talking about it, that it was very open-ended. I'm like, wait a second yeah it was and so i don't know that just made me think a lot more about it i think it. it's more interesting when it is open-ended in this kind of situation because like Lori, like she she yeah. wants to see the beheading because she knows for a I fact that <laughs> he's gonna get his head cleaned off i have this hopefulness in a way that's like well maybe he's gonna go back to the kingdom and you know be a nice guy and keep it in his pants uh <laughs> I think that's the first thing he did right was that's the first that that was the ultimate test. And he passed that one by saying no. (laughs) That's the biggest task anyone can do, right? To accept death. Yeah, that's a scary thing. And uh, he did it. That's the ultimate payback for everything that you've done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And literally his his life flashed right before his eyes. Yeah. I know. And he saw, he saw, you know, the way, you know, what he did to his son's mother and he saw his son die in battle. He saw all these things, you know, and that he would lead the, the, he would lead the kingdom to ruin. Yeah. And he would die alone because all his family left him. Even the hot young chick who wasn't even in the story, the one that just (laughs) came to him, he porked her too. And he got a child out of it and she became the queen. And even she didn't like him. She's like, let's get out of here. She was the <laughs> first person to leave him. Yeah. I'm assuming that was like an arranged marriage from like another kingdom. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's where it gets confusing for a lot of people who are fans. Okay. You know the whole lore behind... Here's part of the thing that gets everybody confused. You know the whole lore behind King Arthur and the, that he ends up being killed by his son, who is a conception of uh, incest that he had with his sister. Ooh. So there are some versions of it where they morph the sisters together, because this is actually his older sister, not his younger sister. It's his older sister, um, that's Morgana Le Fay, that actually had uh, Gowan. And he wasn't a product of incest from her. It was another sister that he had. That they said, but in a, in a lot of them, they've merged the two characters together. So if you watch Merlin, if you watch some of the more current Arthurian like versions of it, Morgana Le Fay is the, that same sister Whoa. and they're in, and they sleep together. And so he would be a result 
of incest. Mm, wow. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but was Merlin in the movie? I could have sworn I saw like a sorcerer in there. He was the one with like the like eye tattoos. Yeah, I yeah. guess that was. That, I always wondered who like who, who this guy were cutting to. Yeah, that makes sense. That that's yeah, that that's great. See, it's a thinker. It makes you think. And you know, Merlin is the one who taught Morgana everything she knew. Yeah, yeah, especially when the son of Gawain from Alicia Vikander, he's there to witness the birth, and then also witness the separation of the child from the mother. Mm-hmm. I thought that whole sequence was very powerful. Oh my God! What a no dialogue spoken through that whatsoever. Mm-mm. Yeah, that was all. Oh my God, that was incredible. And in the legend, it is King Arthur's son that ends up like being his 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 downfall and the kingdom's downfall. So that's interesting. So depending on which one you read, it it gets a little confusing. Yeah. Well, I guess I need to start reading again, or in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just you know consume product, watch movies about it. I'm just gonna wait for the movie. It's the same, right? I'll wait for the movie. <laughs> In Dylan's happy little world, I think that he, just by him saying, yes, behead me, that he passed the task and he let him go on and he was a good king after that. Yes. <laughs> at least that's right. Dylan. At least that's what I want them <laughs> that to happen to me in that situation. Aside from Excalibur, Lori, are there any other like authorian movies you would recommend? Uh, First Night, uh, Sean Connery plays uh, King Arthur and Lancelot is played by Richard Gere. And Guinevere is played by Julia Ormond, and it is a really good depiction. Uh, also, I think that was the first one that got a lot of buzz since Excalibur, whenever First Night came out. Let's see, anything else with the round table? Does the one with Heath Ledger count? What's that one called? <laughs> oh, Tristan and Isolde. Oh. No, it's Tristan and Isolde. Is that Wait, the one you're talking about? What's the one Dylan said? A Knight's Tale? Oh, A Knight's Tale. Yeah, Tale. that one. Does that <laughs> one count? That's William Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales. Oh, okay, but never mind. Never mind. I think, yeah, <laughs> that's William Chaucer. <laughs> yeah, uh, and actually, I love The Canterbury Tales, and I actually saw uh, William Chaucer's grave when I went to London and I saw the Westminster Abbey. So, you know, William Chaucer, if y'all, I don't know if y'all have ever had the chance to read The Canterbury Tales. But the Knight's Tale is like the one story out of it. But it's just a wonderful depiction of everyday life during those times. And what he did, you know, like he has the Maid's Tale, the Knight's Tale. He has a different tale for everybody. And what he wrote it all about was he was actually that guy that, you know, that you met on the side of the road. You remember how uh, uh, Paul Bettany's character, he says, I will write you and I warts and all. It's funny because there is a story in the Canterbury Tales where he talks about these tradesmen's and he talks about how grotesque they are. He describes the hair on their moles and everything. Uh, so that's really, he really was a man who came across people and he decided to write down stories and put them all together. I actually have a copy and it's one of my favorite books. We're going to make like good nights and uh... make like a tree and leave <laughs> off with your head. Oh, I'm sorry. Out of all the four movies we talked about, what was your favorite? Pig. Yeah, pig. What other movie did we talk about? Well, I know you don't like old. Uh, no. You didn't I like didn't pig. Really care for pig. I would have to probably say uh, The Green Knight. It's a very close second. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely. Oh. All right, well, uh, I'm glad we talked about these movies, but such vast different movies. 
<laughs> we talked about today. Absolutely. That's going to be it for us here on The Cinema Show. Uh, first off, thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. And uh, you continue to support us. Download. It's very important that you download. Just download the, the dang episode. Don't even listen to it. No, I'm kidding. Of course, listen. Tune in. And you can do that on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, all your favorite platforms. And uh, let us know what you think about what we talked about. Any of these four movies, if you watched them, let us know what you think. And you can do th- that on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Cinema Show Live. Don't forget to use the hashtag. Am I the only one who uses it? Uh, that hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, uh, we love it when we see you guys on our uh, feed. Uh, we love it. And we'll be sure to highlight your comments on our next episode. Or maybe you just want to shout out. Either way, you're all part of the panel as much as we are. Jackson, where can we find you? You can find me at Jackson underscore DML. And lovely Lori. You can find me on Twitter, lovely Lori at Lori underscore Guajardo. Uh, you can follow me on my Twitter at DylanMM5. D-Y-L-A-N-M-M-5. This is The Cinema Show. Remember, all films are subjective. It's all about perspective. Have a great day and a better tomorrow.